Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. We are here in Nebraska. I'm sitting under an awesome conifer with Adam Wells, Jake Shaw, and Garrett Drack. Hello. How are you guys? I'm doing good. Hey, Jake, explain exactly what... Set the scene for people listening to us. Where are we sitting? And I'm sitting under a tree right now, hiding me from the shade. Thank goodness, because not uh, from the shade, in the shade. In the shade, thanks. Um, b- because I have, I'm, I've got some fair skin, so I'm getting a little sunburned here. It's kind of weird though, because it's cold, cold in the morning, and then now it's hot today. So kind of strange. Adam, take us through what the weather's been. It's been crazy here the last couple of days. Well, we went from seriously low temperatures that we'd expect in December and January. Um, now we're back up to seasonable mid-60s weather. You know, it's just your typical 80-degree temperature shift in 24 hours. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't help but think, man, how cool would it be during the first week of November hunting whitetail to have weather like this? And we're out here normally. It'll probably be 80 when we're hunting yeah, whitetail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Garrett, <clears throat> this is a hunt. This is your second time to be on this hunt. You came with us with Sean? With like Sean Greathouse. Three yeah. years ago? Three years ago, yeah. quite a while ago. It's cool to come back to this property. We've had some experience out here. Trev, I think you harvested a buck and Sean harvested a buck and to that, come back Was here. that your first kill as primary cameraman? No, no, because I went with Adam that's, to Utah. That's true. That's That'll, true. I'll always remember that one. That was my first one. Right. But like I was telling Adam earlier, once you get down into the bottom, all those draws start looking similar. And I was thinking back to, is this the draw that... Trev was in when he shot his no it's not that and then you go to the next draw and it looks the same as that so it's cool to come back and revisit the same country Adam tell how this country lays well right here like we find in Nebraska is the you get big variation in soils from real sandy like pure sand old sand dunes um, that's your sand hill country and you got some sand hill country just a little bit north of here we're kind of at that transition zone, kind of a loamy, tighter soil. So right here, instead of getting these sand dunes forming, it's more canyons. And that's what they call them out here, canyons or draws. We call them or cool- coolies. Coolies, I think, is more what they call them up in the Dakotas. The Dakotas. And Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, any rate, same, same kind of theory, but... Uh, yeah, so you got all these nice little breaks, you know, 300 foot elevation change, roughly, I, I would guess, from the tops to the bottom. Uh, it's great terrain for hunting with a bow. If you can bed the buck and see him, know which little cut he's in, you got awesome terrain to get in close. It's the spot that's hard. Right. And, 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 and we, we uh, have a tag that is good for whitetail or mule deer. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we are equal opportunity archers, mm-hmm. and I think any one of us would probably take a you know an opportunity I, at, at either or. I did glass up a decent whitetail buck last night. So. Which primarily, let's just be honest, primarily we're seeing mule deer. Yeah, like this area here, you're probably 90% mule deer. Right. You get a few. Well, I killed that whitetail mm-hmm. buck last year here, which was uh, random luck meets opportunity. And that because literally we were set up in a ground bl- or a hay bale, mm-hmm. and he walked by, and I shot him. There's more whitetail out here than a guy realizes. They, they're but they t- they tend to prefer different kind of habitat. These little weedy draws going up the middle of the, these farm fields, 
you know, these thicker shelter belts. You know, that's kind of the stuff. Or More these, You see like little plum thickets here and there. Yeah. All that real thick, dense cover that you just can't glass into. That's more where those whitetail are going to be attracted to. And the mule deer, you know, they're open country animals. They, like they'll use see. that mm-hmm. if they, that, that heavier cover from time to time, but they're just more visible. That's, uh, you know, just the difference between the species. So here we are with Jake Shaw, uh, marketing director of Mountain Ops. Yep. And Jake, this is your first time on this type of, uh, in Nebraska, hunting Nebraska, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is my first time actually hunting out of state. Oh, really? And uh, it's, I'm actually pretty new to hunting big game in general. I started two years ago and uh, got lucky and shot a really nice buck, just really close to home pretty much on the Wasatch front there. Um, so I, I didn't really acquire buck fever yet. You know, I, I just, one day I was hiking around, went did eight miles, Got on a buck 50 yards, pulled back, and didn't feel really much of anything. Just sent it and made a good shot and killed it. After eight miles, you're too tired to feel anything else. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I was like, well, here's a prayer. And uh, I came out heavy that day. But ever since then, this is all I can think about, you know, going hunting and but what, what, take us through your background. Um, it, you know, how did how did you get uh, into hunting in general? How did you get uh, introduced? Um, I mean, did you did you, does your family hunt? Or <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I, my I, my family is I wouldn't say anti hunting, but uh, I grew up in any deer on the side of the road that got hit or something. My my mom would be really sad about and. She just didn't really understand why he'd hunt. My my grandpa, I remember a story my grandma telling me about how when he shot out, he went and shot a uh, uh, just a couple of ducks and brought them home. And he was so sad that he never went out again. Hmm. And so that was kind of how I grew up and uh, our pers- their perspective on hunting. And I never really got into it until I bought a lab. And uh, that was about 10 years ago. She's almost 10. And I wanted to go duck hunting. And I had a really good friend of mine, Zach, um, who took me out duck hunting, and I fell in love with it. And I trained her and trained her, and she it was just my passion at that point. Did upland game, all that, up until two years ago when I was introduced to big game. And that's actually when I started at Mountain Ops. I was fascinated with these guys that were going out. And so all the stories, their accuracy with a bow, the, that was my first bow. It was two years ago. I bought it from Jordan Harbertson, and mm-hmm. and uh, I've been shooting ever since, trying to perfect my abilities, and it's just fascinating to me. I, wow, that's, that's cool. all I want to do now is pursue big game and and what, uh, professionally, what was your uh, before Mountain Ops? What did you do? So professionally, before I, I've been a salesman. Mm-hmm. I was a ATM salesman for uh, the country, just a company out of out of Kaysville, Utah. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, I, I wanted to finish school, so I had to quit because I had to go to, to school during the day, which was a hard decision um, to quit my job. I was making pretty good money and you know, had a good track there. Um, anyway, so quits, or quit my job, went to school, finished, and got a marketing degree. And uh, during that time, I was freelancing 
doing websites, uh, marketing, that type of stuff, working for my brother a little bit too. And uh, Casey Harbison called me up and he's like, dude, we need, we need a developer. We need somebody that knows web. And uh, at first I was literally kind of hesitant because I was a long friend, a uh, longtime friend of Casey. I just didn't know if I wanted to work for a right. friend, you yeah. know, that, that kind of awkwardness. And uh, I was like, hey, you know, it's better than what I got now, so might as well try it out. And got hired on there and built their new website. And now we're building another one. <laughs> never stops. It the never work. ends, yeah. Uh, it, things are always changing. But anyway, got in there, just fell in love with the passion that these guys that I, I'm surrounded with, Matt Davis, you, Jordan, Casey, all these guys that really instilled in me the passion to to hunt and to hunt hard right. and to do it the hard way with a bow <laughs> and so that's kind of where i'm at well you know i i uh, we have been working with mountain ops is this our second year the second year and uh, i've been friends with jordan primarily yeah. and uh, actually matt davis i've known for a long time because matt from hoyt, from hoyt yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, thank the world of those guys. I mean, just and just amazing individuals. Even when we were um, working with uh, other companies um, that perhaps were in competition with Mountain Ops, um, we were always treated with the utmost of respect. And for us, uh, as a person, myself, and as an organization, Outback Outdoors, um, Jordan was somebody that... I would bounce ideas off of because he had such a, he has, number one, his, his enthusiasm is infectious. Oh, yes. You know, and he's fun. He's just a great guy. He makes you feel like a million bucks every time you talk to him. If I need a pickup, if I'm feeling down about myself, I just call Jordan and he just makes me feel great. Um, He has a really, I think he's gifted in that way. Um, But some, some stuff that he did for us was really encourage us in this this podcast i think uh, garrett wouldn't you agree this podcast spurned uh was born i don't know what the quite the pronounce or the right, right word i'm looking for this spawned. podcast came <laughs> out of spawned that would be <laughs> something negative spawn is kind of like the devil well, spawn <laughs> of the devil but um this podcast I think came salmon think it's positive when they're going upstream <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true that's true good good point this this I podcast keep going yeah. but i think this is a public yeah yeah, yeah. Whole broadcast. Hey, this is a family right. fa- family <laughs> podcast um this this really came out of a meeting with Jordan. You remember that, Garrett? Denny's. It was a Denny's. Denny's. In Salt yeah. Lake City, and we sat down. And, and there was drawings on napkins and the references to books and just this whole brainstorm of ideas. It was, was Trevin asking for massages <laughs> from the waitress? Yeah, dude. I, <laughs> okay, okay. Does. Can I get you anything else? Uh, I got a kink in my neck. I do. Oh. I, he's right. I do always it's funny, thro- I throw the, the waitresses a, a, a little bit of a, a loop because they ask, can I get you anything? And I say, yeah, I got a crink right here in my neck. Can you? <laughs> and they I have yet the to have one yeah. nobody's, nobody's over nobody's 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 yeah so no. anyway we're sitting across it's you yeah. dustin and i and, and i don't think dustin and i had ever met jordan before i mean that's the first introduction I, to us and like uh jake was saying we just kind of stepped right in and he treated us like he knew us forever and no hesitation and hey these are inspirational ideas let's you know, let's make this thing go. And we just bounce ideas off at each and, other for 45 minutes. And I think, I think the thing that stuck with me was why, what is your why? 
And it made us think, wait a minute, step Between back. X and Z, I think. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, 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 was my initial, that was my initial response. But why do we do Outback Outdoors? And so I remember the trip back from Salt Lake City, what was seven hours or whatever it is in the car, and we are just, our brains are just spinning and spinning and spinning. And that 45 minutes we spent with Jordan, even though we had a couple of different uh meetings and appointments over there that were really good we we left that trip thinking that was the most important meeting we've had all year because when we got by the time we got back to fort collins colorado i think we had determined that our why was to inspire others to find their wild and to encourage them to get out that anything we do is not something that they can't do we are not that great there's nothing special about us adam has spent a lifetime developing his craft developing his uh, his you know your attention to detail for wildlife and management and all of that stuff garrett attention to detail videography all the, we all have our gifts but when they all come together what's the why so so for, for so me you talking about jordan in that way it just it imagine working with him every yeah. day I mean, he has a he's really, gotta be exhausting. He's, he is exhausting, but it's in a good <laughs> I way love too. Him, but because he has so many great points yeah, in his views, yeah, yeah. and that actually spills into a lot of what we do every single day. Our culture at Mountain Ops. I mean, that that's one of the biggest things that is not just Jordan. It's Trevor. It's Casey to instill the why. Why do we do what we do? We're a supplement company. Right. There's tons of supplement companies out there, right? Right. But why is it different? And that's that is the one thing in our 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 goal and mission at Mount Ops is to improve the lives of individuals and families. I don't and, know if you, I don't know if you know this, Adam. Tell them about the 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 meals. Yeah, one so, of the things, and this blew me away when we visited the Mountain Ops headquarters. Tell them about the meals program you guys. Do. So we're nearing our our goal for next month in the month of November. Mm-hmm. It's uh, our mission. It's a mission to a million. And we're at 700,000 mills that we've donated. Wow. So any order that is placed on mountainops.com mm-hmm. is that equals one mill. And so it's pretty cool to be there. It, Conquer Hunger is an initiative that Mountain Ops has. It, it was Trevor's really big initiative. Mm-hmm. And now it's just we've onboarded it throughout everything that we do. Um, just recently, like three weeks ago in September, we, we had a... Uh, an event, a Conquer Hunger event, where we've been donating these mills outside the country to Africa and other places, uh, Malawi. But we've seen just locally the problem just here, the yes. people that are in hunger. And, you know, specifically in Davis County in, in, in Utah. Mm-hmm. And they, I think it's one in four kids go home to an empty pantry on the weekend. I mean, that's a staggering statistic. A lot of, well, I've been hearing all these teacher strikes where the teachers are still offering meals because they know a lot of their students, the only meals they're getting is when they're at school. Right. So even though they're on strike trying to get a better, you know, deal for themselves, they're still taking care of those kids. Right. What you guys are doing is right in line with Oh, I love it. So that event, we we, we packaged meals for the Bountiful Food Pantry, and they, obviously, they they distribute them throughout Mm -hmm. the 
the school district locally at our place mm. and we did 13,000 mills and we have another one coming up that we're doubling that so we'll be doing over 20,000 mills hopefully 25-ish around there 25,000 mills that uh, we get to That's donate incredible. so pretty cool it's cool to be a part of it I don't want to get I don't want to make this podcast into uh, Mountain Ops infomercial um, <laughs> but I appreciate what they do there and so I'm going to I'm going to put a uh, a little structure to this, even though uh, we could probably talk more and more about this, and we will oh, for the podcast. But I, I want to get right into this hunt. Let's do it. And I'm excited that you're here. You know, Matt Davis was going to be coming, and then there was a conflict. So then I think you reached out and said, hey, I get to come. And I was like super, I was stoked because I've only met you at TAC. Yep. That was the first time I met this you year. with your brother. Yep. And uh, a little history there was your brother started... Um, recovery Strong. Recovery Strong, which is basically an addiction recovery support group, Yep. if you want to say that. And as myself, um, having de- dealt with uh, some addiction in my past, um, uh, which I'm, as time goes on, I realize that it's not something to be shamed about. It's something that I need to share more because I think people deal with that. And if, I, you know, if my story... Uh, can get out there and help one person uh, overcome that, um, then it's a good thing. But uh, So I connected with your brother and then got to meet you. So then the, the chance to have you on this hunt is, is awesome. Yeah, it's and a I'm, pretty and cool I'm glad you're segue. here. Really so let's start this out. You drove how many hours? Uh, 11 hours okay. with stops and that, yeah. probably a little over that. Sloan Brown with Yeti. Uh, formerly of Backbone Media, uh, I've I've known Sloan for I don't know I want to say two three years now. Uh, when he was with Backbone Media, he was kind of our sick contact, mm-hmm. and uh, I know he worked with Mountain Ops. Yep. Um, and Sloan's a great great guy. We'll uh, get him on here in the next podcast hopefully, uh, because they're well, actually he's on a stock they're right on now, a stock he? right now. So I'm excited to hear what happens. But let's dive right into your experience you've had so far, um, okay. Garrett. Adam and you were basically a team. We'll call you guys uh, uh, the A team. The A team. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, and actually, if you look at experiences and opportunities, you guys are the A team right now. Um, Adam, take us through that first morning, which was yesterday morning. Well, I'd also like to mention that I did spot the buck that they're sneaking on right now. Right, yeah. But so, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Adam, we're calling Adam the spotter see i dave was my nickname for dave last year and we had this on film a couple uh-huh. of times because he freaking great spotter you know davis baronio which i uh, miss you bro i wish you were here on this hunt with us um i love uh, he's the same way like he's a just so i always called him the spotter this year you're taking that place you're the spotter so okay spotter he's a good spotter yeah he is talk us through talk us through your guys's uh uh, you know, point of reference from starting yesterday morning? Well, I'll just start off, you know, I spotted these, some bucks coming out of some standing corn. They came in, set up, not in a great spot. And then, uh, well, we did a quick little drop off on the side of the road. I just drove on out of sight, let them see what would shake out. And I'll let Jake take it from there. Yeah, so we, we tried to get in on them that, that quickly realized that we couldn't get too close to them just because of how those, you call them coolies, were. trying like canyons. Canyons, okay. Draw. draw. Yeah. I'll call them a draw. I'll draw. So we kind of sneaked in and 
getting trying to get as close as we could and i could only get to about 110 on those bedded bucks now did they so they were you you when you first saw them had they already bedded we we watched them till they bedded yeah so but let's give people a reference real quick how do we i mean what's a typical normal uh we spot we bed them down talk people through that how we normally would do this yeah so you, you typically get out when you get good glassing light get some good vantage points see what's moving once you locate a buck or in this case is a group of bucks with several several shooters in it they're still bacheloreded up a bit at any rate find the deer see where they bed and then before we even made a move on them once we knew where they were at we backed we went way up several miles away to look at the lay of the land Mm -hmm. look at the terrain study it get your landmarks for where there's you know a little cedar tree or you know a a unique cut in a bank something where you have your landmarks that you can find them again like garrett was saying earlier when you start walking down these canyons they all start looking the same if you don't take the time out and really study the terrain and really plan how you're going to get in literally you can get lost in there and go where where in the world was he yeah so we we did a good job you know the deer bedded not in a great spot but at least we knew where they were bedded took the time to really study the train and to get started on the stock there was a one little spot where the road was close enough out of the out of the way i just dropped these guys off and i just pulled up the road about a half mile and just just waited where i i couldn't see i didn't want to drive back past them again i didn't want to get too much activity uh so i just waited out of sight and uh Jake texted me, said he, like you just said, he couldn't get close enough. They were going to back out. Well, when I went in to pick them up, I could see the deer got up and we're starting to feed back in. We're starting to work back towards the corn. And I think you must have saw him get yeah. up too. And, so, uh, so, so we had, we had previously, we talked about is, you know, maybe we wait till later until they actually move. Cause they probably will go back in the corn. Mm-hmm. So I had that in my mind. Once I backed out, I think they actually kind of probably hurt us in the grass a little mm-hmm. bit because we were only 110 yards or so. Um, they couldn't see us, but something made them get up for one reason or another. So they started moving away from us to the west there, mm-hmm. and uh, we backed out, went around onto the road, and once they went out of sight on the other side of that draw, I just took off on a sprint, <laughs> me and Garrett, and I just wanted to get into the next draw because if they were going to the corn, maybe I could cut them off. That's exactly what happened. We jump. We jump. Okay. You're running camera, Garrett. Correct. So how was you, it running with did, all of that camera? Did you gear? see? <laughs> wait, so did, you saw them, and then you guys literally started sprinting. Yeah. So Garrett, talk from your vantage point. What are you seeing now? It's chaos. I mean, it, you're trying to get a little bit of the footage <laughs> as you're going down the Slipping road in the and, mud and like adam was saying it was historically cold out here so that road was frozen solid not down in the bottom up yeah. until the point where that it wasn't frozen it wasn't frozen <laughs> which is no. when we started running and they were they had cut the banks out they had scooped it out with a back or something so the banks are steep and so as we're running down the bank we're, our feet are giving out and we're just eating it, you know, just going down the road. And you, just a you're running mesh. a shoulder rig on this situation, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. imagine, he's, you don't have a tripod even to use for leverage. No. You're, you have this bulky 12 pound or whatever, much pound right. of camera on a, a rig on your shoulder. And you're, all you're focused on is getting in front of these deer, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Then it comes back to me 
I went back up to where we were studying the train, and I get this message from Trevin, hey, we're going to drive in north and take another angle. I'm like, no, yeah. no, yeah. no, <laughs> don't do but, that. So, so, I didn't know that. Right, yeah, so, so for me, I'm not going to make a move unless I talk to him because of that very same reason. But I'm like, okay, I'm thinking you guys are over here. We're going to come around this way, and we're going to yeah. – what I don't know is that you guys are literally making a play off of that road. So it, there has to be some communication in reference to. Now, one of the laws in Nebraska is you may not text or use a radio from a vehicle to let people know where deer are. So uh, we've had people mention that to us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, the only time we communicate is when we're on foot. Except when I'm communicating with you, just telling you mm-hmm. my location. Hey, I'm going to do this. Um, you know, we don't sit in the trucks and go, oh, hey, the deer's coming to you. We get out and we're usually out and about, which makes it totally legal. So for those of you who might be concerned that we're using electronic surveillance or whatever, we're not in a vehicle when we do this. Everything is totally legal. We've checked with the game and fish in Nebraska. So I clear that up. So I, you let me know, no, stay put. Mm-hmm. Stay put for right now. Let's see how this shakes out. And we ended up coming and meeting you. So that's really all we're going to talk about our side because mm-hmm. that was all that really happened. But you saved us from driving through a possible... Right, driving within yeah. 100 yards of where they're... Yeah, okay. Right. So now here you are, slipping and sliding yep. away. So Deer, we, are they still coming up that so draw? So at that point, I couldn't see them. But okay. I was just trying to think, okay, get in front of these deer. If they're going to cut back up this draw, that's my shot. That's my chance. So <laughs> hop the fence right there down in that draw is pretty close to the bottom there. Um, we just hopped off, probably went 20, 30 yards off of that that tree line or the tree line, the fence line. Mm-hmm. And I, I just told him, I said, let's just wait right here. Let's just sit down and just see if they come. And you, so you're off the road, you're inside. Yep. Are you, uh, uh, you know, kind of we're on, on the opposite side of the draw, you're you're thinking they're so coming we're, up. We're on that. It would be the east side of that draw, okay. just kind of tucked up under okay. a couple of the just the brush there. Just trying to look like a couple of bushes. Exactly. Yep. Okay. And we did we did a good job at it. Yeah. So so Garrett, what happens next? We had sat down for ninety seconds. Yeah. Maybe two minutes. I'm fiddling around yep. stuff. And I just hear I have my headphones. I just hear Jake. Oh, there they are. I mean, it was that quick. Like it never happens like that and this time it did it was crazy yeah. they walked right up the draw like jake said we were trying to get in front of him and when we he picked the spot perfectly and how was your wind right into your face oh it was right perfect yes. so yeah. everything okay all right yeah so at that point we're sitting there i oh there they are <laughs> and i'm freaking out i got total buck fever whatever you want to call it but well, you did say you didn't have it the first time exactly you now i got it in, in, in aces huh you got it like buck fever squared oh my heck yeah it was bad and i think it was just partially because i was sitting there and i thought it would take a little bit and but it, all of a sudden i just see him out of the corner of my eye i'm like oh crap so i feel like i'm in a rush how far when, are they from you when you first see him when i've probably probably 80 yards yeah yep. 70 or yep, 80 I yards agree. and see him clear as day he starts feeding up, and he kept glancing our way. So Okay, can same... I stop you? Because yeah. we just got a text that they found him. Are you serious? So we got a waypoint. As soon as we're done with this podcast, it looks like we're going to be going to recover in a deer. Oh, okay, that's awesome. so anyway, but that's that nice will, you will have to tune into the next podcast to hear the story of Sloan's yeah. buck. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, so you're there, 80 yards away. Are they still walking up the draw? 
Yeah, so they're still just they slowly walking up. They have not seen you. They have no, no. idea you're there. They, they keep glancing over, and I think it was partially just because I'm trying to just, I don't know, maybe fidget it, trying to get my release on my knock right there, just trying to get on there, and I couldn't. Like, I had gloves on. I wish I could would have taken my gloves off because that would have been a little easier, but I'm just shaking. Finally get it. Obviously, I ranged him before that. Had to take it off, range him again by the time I did it. Anyway, got it on. Drew, he looks over at me, waited for a second, lifted up, anchored, and shot, and hit him right, probably what, do you think, three three inches above vitals? Yeah, I think that's what the video showed, too. <sighs> yeah, broke my heart. So, <clears throat> we and we have looked at the shot, mm-hmm. Adam. Talk about that shot placement. We, we with your experience, and... I, Unfortunately, I have done it myself. That is a non-lethal shot. Yeah, if you're right through the top of the back there, above the spine, you'll have a sore sore spot. But honestly, I mean, they hurt themselves worse fighting than what yeah. what that did. And and you know, I we're gonna get. We're, it doesn't matter. We're gonna get. Uh, if you would have shot that buck and recovered him, somebody would have said it was too far. Okay, we're going to get, or somebody would have said, uh, now, you know, you shouldn't have taken it, whatever. So let's put that aside because we don't really care yep. about that. We do care about ethics, but mm-hmm. but we also understand what we can do and where we're at. So I, I, I don't want to dance around that issue. Yep. Um, if you have a problem with that, email us, that's fine, and, and we'll delete that email. Um, but if you, you took that shot. Yeah. Okay. You felt good. You felt solid about that shot. When you saw that, what went through your mind? I knew immediately I hit high mm-hmm. and just my heart sunk. I knew that uh, it wasn't a miss range necessarily, but it, either me just shaking or my nerves, um, something like that. Uh, it could be my bow. I mean, I don't know if it's maybe just because I hunt in a different environment. There's so many different variables that you you have to account for, but sometimes you don't account for all of them. And so it was it wasn't a good shot, and that happens in bow hunting. And, and it just it's not that we're saying, and that happens in bow hunting as an excuse, because pe- some people I think don't realize the amount of time that we spend practicing. Well, we were just out shooting yeah. for an hour, yeah. you know. And it's the middle of the day, and we're on the hunt, and yet you guys are out there shooting. So I think um, I, I think we can, uh, and like I shared with you, don't let uh, the outcome. We're here for an adventure, mm-hmm. okay? And unfortunately, uh, whether you miss or whether it, you know it's a it's a non vital hit, uh, you know you do your you do the, your ultimate best. And so uh, um, we, you were, you saw the deer run off, um, and I'm the deer is fine. The deer is fine. So moving on. Just, a, and just to clarify this, this is the first hour, yeah, of the first day of the hunt. And like Adam, you were saying earlier, usually it's three, four hours before you even go on your first stalk every yeah. morning, just because we're trying to relocate them and let mm-hmm. them bed down. For, so for, I've never had it happen that quick before. That was crazy. Yeah, it was zero to 60 like that. Yep, I, I agree. There was a lot of nerves involved there. That's for sure. And then Trev, Dustin, Sloan, they all finally made their way back around and they could meet up with us. You could tell the stories, whatnot. Yeah. And then 
Adam, I think you wanted to go to another location and kind of glass a different part of the property to see, because that's a part of the property we never touched before, mm-hmm. and to get new eyes on new property. And then? Well, you found some more deer. You found some more deer. And uh, uh, real, real quick here, one thing we're finding out this year is there is a tremendous amount of deer we're yes. seeing, um, which has uh, uh, has its advantages mm-hmm. and has its disadvantages. How many times have we, uh, uh, well, we're going to get into that where a doe pops up, you don't know a doe is there, and it can work to your, you know, it can it can startle you or, mm-hmm. or startle the buck you're trying to get on. So let's go real real quick then with um, the next encounter. Um, we hooked up with you guys because we had been tracking a pretty big buck from our glassing point mm-hmm. and we knew he'd bailed off into a series of draws. Mm-hmm. There's something neat about this hunt though, the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. This is a hunt that sets up well for people to, to be together. Normally it's like, okay, Adam, you and your cameraman are going there to that stand. We'll we'll, we'll see you at lunch, right. and uh, and there's a lot of times where we can literally, whether it be working a decoy, mm-hmm. videoing in a secondary angle, or just watching the show, where our best bet is just to sit back and 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 let you guys do what you do. Yeah. But, but we're together on it. So we're gonna go in and we're gonna glass for this deer because we know where he went in. And we kind of just, you and I kind of said, okay, well, we need somebody off of this point and we need somebody off of this point. And I kind of said, well, we'll go to this point. You guys go to that point. Well, dadgummit, I should have picked your point. Because <laughs> Jake was carrying around a lucky horseshoe oh, yesterday. I was. So, I was. Tell, so let's take now, it from there. Jake actually saw these bucks. He was the first one to get eyes oh, on Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so we were looking up at each one of these draws as we were kind of making our way to that point that you're talking about. And uh, couldn't see anything. We saw some does that were bedded, right, mm-hmm. off of that ridge. But uh, just kept going slowly, sitting down, glassing up, trying to see if we could spot him. And really, we were trying to spot him for them so they could mm-hmm. make a move in on him. Because um, I had already made my move. Well, just out of the corner of my eye, I saw in a draw that we weren't necessarily looking at, a little further down, saw those three, I think they were, th- yeah, yep. the three bucks. Three bucks. Three bucks all together, and they just were not necessarily in a rush, but they were in a hurry mm-hmm. trying to get over to the next draw, and they went out of sight, so we decided to move and see if we could get on them. So right then we looked down, and there were some other does that had, mm-hmm. where the draw they just came up out of, there were some does at the bottom there, and uh, they were in a hurry. And uh, well, those does they pinned, they were on us. Remember, we had to lay down flat. Yeah. Well, those does, and then they had enough of us, and then they ran into that draw, and then that spooked those bucks out the bottom. And then we were just like, keep eyes on the deer. Let's. So we're just trying to shadow them, basically. We're shadowing those bucks as they were moving, and now we're three quarters of a mile away from Sloan and Trevin, where they're not going to be in position. Then those deer stopped on that one side hill, and then they kind of decided what they want to do, and they started working right back to us. Yeah, they did kind of like a J. Exactly. Just a hook. And I was just like, I bet they're coming up the draw underneath us, pointed to a nice little shadowed cut bank where you could tuck in and hide, thought it was going to be perfect. And just in case they came back the other draw, I slipped over. When I didn't see them there, I knew they were going to be right underneath Yeah. So I, I ran to that bank that he was telling you about, and I 
I couldn't believe it. I, I just kind of kept sneaking just to see if I could get a, an eye on them coming up that draw. And sure enough, they're just one standing right there. I was like, oh my heck, just keep <laughs> coming. He's still on his feet. Just keep feeding. I, I couldn't believe it that they came right up that draw that we were in. And they were pretty much pretty close to being in my lap, but they, they, had other plans and bedded right there. <laughs> well, that's it's all right to have them bed when you're in position right underneath you. Yeah, so at that point, go. Uh, oh, did you leave right then, or were well, you? Once you once they were bedded, I just kind of did a little glassing. We gave it a little while, and I'm like, well, I can get those deer to stand. I'll go meet up with Trevin and those guys, grab a decoy, work my way down that opposite ridge and try to get them to stand. Uh, so it was about a mile and a half hike to go all the way, meet those guys and come back down. And get around. So it was prob- you're probably sitting on top of those deer for at least 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, easily. I'd say an hour. Yeah. Good hour? Probably an hour. And I all I thought talking to Garrett is I just need to get closer. I mean, mm-hmm. the range that I had, it was too far. It was, mm-hmm. I just wasn't comfortable with that shot. And so basically what I did is, I got all of my extra clothes, layers off from the day, and even my shoes or my boots, everything, and I just shimmied real slow for, what, 45 minutes took me probably yeah. to get in and position. And there was enough of a wind that when it picked up, the grass was moving pretty good. Yeah. It was noisy, and so you were t- trying to time your movement with when the wind uh, would pick up. You noticed that, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when the wind died down, it, it was dead quiet. Yeah. I think they would have picked you off. Yeah, if, that's exactly what I in. waited for was that wind, those gusts to be able to move. So once it started picking up, I hurried and made my move, and when it died down, i just sit still and wait. And that's so smart, and it, it, I don't know how many times, Adam, you and I have talked about this, that the wind is your best friend and your worst enemy, but when it's, when you need the mm-hmm. cover for the scent, you know, but you also need the cover for the noise out here, wind is your best friend. Yes, it is. Because it just gives, you know, you get just enough of that ambient noise level raise that you can shimmy, as you called it, yep. and you get into a position where you could. So how far did you have to go to where you were? Uh, it was probably about, what, 40 yards, 30 so yards? You had to lose a little bit of elevation yeah. to get yourself, I think there was a yucca, yep. right? I could see you trying to get, put the yucca between you and the buck so that you could kind of scooch forward. Yeah, so I had to lose elevation to get down over so they couldn't see me, use the ridge. And then when I wanted to get to the position I wanted to, I couldn't use the ridge anymore. I had to use that yucca plant. So I had to go down, shimmy over, and basically come up again. It was crazy. Like, it was like... How far are you from this whole scene unfolding? I'm... 80 yards from the bedded buck. And you could you have a direct line of sight to yeah, the bedded buck? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so it was uh, once I got into position, I saw you coming around on that ridge mm-hmm. using that decoy. Um, and so I just waited. I, I was actually going to shoot right then because I was in position. Uh-huh. And uh, I could tell that the, the buck was asleep. Uh-huh. Um, but I was like, no. Did I you have wait. a shot? Well, I, I mean, he was bedded. No, uh, no, right. He's bedded. But did you have a shot at his vitals from in yeah, a bedded position? Okay. I could have, yes. Okay. But I decided I'm going to wait for him to see if, because I feel more comfortable, obviously, seeing his vitals standing up. So I just waited. And it was crazy. You're coming down on that ridge. And then I don't know if you saw him or what point you saw him, but there was two does that you kicked up out of yep, the bottom. I saw that. I was like, well, if that doesn't get him to stand... 
I'll get them to stand here now, in just a second. <laughs> explain what you were trying to do. So we we crossed through a pasture fence, and then I knew from that fence on, uh, sooner, eventually I was going to get to where those bucks could see me. And I'm directly across the draw from you, so I'm trying to pull their attention 180 degrees away from you. And you're using the Montana decoy. It's got the Montana decoy. You know, so when the it's got a really nice profile. When it's up on the skyline, it looks like a little deer just stood up. And we use the whitetail out mm-hmm. here in Mulder Country, and it works yeah, fine. It's the, it's the profile mm-hmm. is, is great. One thing I've learned from you and uh, Trev over the years is that you're trying to get him to stand and draw his attention away mm-hmm. from the shooter. So you were north of what Jake's position mm-hmm. was, and he's going to stare at it. Versus if you didn't have the decoy and you popped over and there's two human profiles, he's going to stand and run all in one instance. Mm -hmm. And so what you guys have taught me over the years is you throw that decoy up and he's curious about it, but he's not taking off and running right away. And and Adam and I have experienced times where you can't get the deer. The deer feels so comfortable in his bed. He will not stand up. Mm -hmm. And there's times, well... With Dave. There's times with popped up decoys and had the deer come all the way across cornfields right into our lap. Right, exactly. Yeah, so... you. What you're trying to do is do anything but avoid the fact that they recognize you as a, as a, as a threat. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, you had a live decoy that really got the deer up. Yeah, so they couldn't see him for a bit, but I just sat there waiting because I, I saw those deer coming down. And I said, once they see that it's an actual human, because at that point they didn't know, mm-hmm. once they see that, they're going to start running. And sure enough, they did. They started, what do you call it? The little stodding. Stodding. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. a, like a, a jump trot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So they could start stodding down that draw further up from where I'm at. And I'm like getting ready. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is going to be it. And sure enough, once they came over just this little hill in that draw, um, they were in view of those bucks and those bucks both stood up. And I'm getting ready to draw back, but those bucks, all I have is their butt ends. There's no vitals, nothing at that point. The direction those does took yep. was kind of off to your left. I was going to try to come straight on to you. Exactly. So I had no shot at that point. So I can't remember if I drew at that point and I just held it. Either way, I did. I I, I drew back at one point when they weren't looking my way. <laughs> but uh, every now and then they they wouldn't turn. They weren't turning their bodies, but their heads were looking back towards me. And I'm at full draw at this point going, oh, my gosh, just turn. Just turn, turn, please. And they didn't. It took them forever. So I actually let down and just waited for a second. Once they turn or their heads turned back, I'd pull back again. And at that point, I remember back for probably a minute, minute and a half. Yeah, those two really long oh, holes heck, <laughs> back yeah. to back. To the point where I couldn't hold my bow up anymore. I'm I'm in the seat, like seated position. So I just rested my cam on the grass, but at full draw still, just to relax, got my finger out of the way of my release, my trigger, until he finally took a step. He took a step to the left, so he's quartering away from me, and settled my pin, made sure I was good. I actually did account for the wind a little bit, and at that point, just let it go. And we looked at the video, and it looked like a really good hit. And um, unfortunately, I don't know. It just must have just missed. Well, the you lungs. did. You guys did get on blood. And, and the crazy thing is, what what's the the key here is that you do everything in your power to recover. 
and you guys, it took you time, but you but finally got we, on some blood. You found good it. blood. I mean, the blood dried up after about three quarters of a mile. We had to call uh, a, a neighboring neighbor. property, mm-hmm. get permission to continue to follow. Uh, you know, into we, the next day. Into the next day. <laughs> so I mean, we we gave it a hundred percent effort to recover that animal, and all the indications were it was just a flesh hit. Even though on the video it looks good, the blood on the arrow didn't have the lung blood. Mm-hmm. It looked every indication was a flesh hit. Do you think then it was uh, brisket? Or, I think or, it was um, top of the shoulder and then through the neck. Through the neck. So and there's it and might although have been a little, you know, for the quartering angle, it might have been just a little forward, but right. not by a lot. Right, yeah. It's a game of inches. Mm-hmm. It really and is. it really came down to but, less than. I mean, you, I you, mean cut, it, you cut the distance to where you had to be, waited for the deer to stand, you did waited everything for him right. to churn. And even when you're doing everything absolutely right, sometimes it. It doesn't go out how you'd expect it to end. So. And so, you know, it, there's going to be those people that say, well, you should have done this. You should have done this. And and unfortunately, uh, and f- perhaps fortunately, they weren't there. They didn't see what you saw. And yet, Garrett, you were behind him. You saw what he's, you know, in a way. But still, you did everything you knew you could do. And we can sit here and talk about this in full, clear conscience mm-hmm. because, it, you weren't flinging air, you weren't flinging arrows you no. sat there for an hour you waited you waited till the shot was right you pulled you know i mean so the, the one I, thing i do want to <laughs> say is the first time that i shot that day in the morning that i i, I felt rushed like i i had that up. adrenaline mm-hmm. I, I i seriously it, it was i was shaky i i was had that buck fever that people talk about and this time i didn't I was so calm. Dude, you ha- literally had a season's worth of action in one stinking yeah. morning. Yeah, too. That is so awesome. I'm so glad. Uh, you know, it just happens that sometimes mm-hmm. you, you got the golden horseshoe. And, uh, you know, right now. I've been called a lot of things, but golden horseshoe is a new one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, horses. <laughs> wait a minute. No. So right now, I think this is a great place to pause. Because there's so much more to this story than, yeah. we, than we have to tell. Because right now we have some boys waiting for us to go recover a deer. Let's go, let's go get our... And right I'd now... Like we're, I'd like we're, to see a deer. Let's go. Let's... let's uh, listeners, please forgive us. We're going we're gonna to put you on a little bit of a pause here for the next podcast. In the meantime, we're going to go help Sloan get this deer out. Um, hey, we want to inspire you. We want to encourage you to go out. Find your wild. Find what inspires you and embrace that. And we'll see you down the trail.